Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Radio Red in the house. And for those of you who can see us on Facebook, I want you to take a look at the palette of colors of the hair of all of my guests. I don't think in all these years I've ever said it. We've got a lady with fabulous pink lavender hair. I'm a flaming redhead tonight. We have a gorgeous brunette with long curly hair, and we have a magnificent, vibrant blonde. I have never paid attention to so many hair colors, and it's just beautiful. (laughs) It is January 16th. Yes, we are live and lively. This is Read My Lips, where I talk to creatives, and creatives aren't necessarily people who are authors, although these are not necessarily designers or artists or dancers or singers or producers or directors. They're All of us, we're all creatives in my world. We're all creating our life. I didn't pop out a mom with a script. I don't know about any of you. And you just make it up as you go along. Life is an improv. Life is a creative effort. And that's what we're doing. So, And I've had guests on this show say, before I met you, I didn't know that I was a creative. This is architects. These are builders. These are doctors. These are attorneys, excuse me. Okay, so this is January 16th. And before we get started, I have to do a shout out. And I've asked my guests to prepare. You're all going to follow me. And on the count of three, we're all going to say as best we can, hello, L, L, L. And I'll tell you who that is in a second. One, two, three. Hello, L, L, L. Josh, my engineer, Josh, if you can hear me, that was the first time it was absolutely perfect to the second, to the nanosecond. I have never, I know, Jennifer and Vicky and Suze, I have never had, LLL must be thrilled. Anyway, LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. And Jennifer, I've been trying to to have a, a fictitious GoFundMe for about five years to move her to London, but she said it was too hot there last summer. So I'm trying to move her to Larchmont, and she doesn't like that. I'm in Loudoun, Tennessee now, so maybe she'll come and join me in Loudoun. Laura, we will talk. Laura will send me a little report at 8.01 p.m. Eastern telling me exactly what each of you said on the show, just a couple of sentences, and how much she enjoyed your sharing your creativity with her and the audience. She's been doing it for years, and there are a long line of people before her who did that, including my mom and a cousin who was in his 90s. What can I tell you? So it's January 16th, as I've said 15 times already. It is still in the Gregorian calendar. Let's see, it's the 16th day of the year. Well, that's an easy one, Red, right? Third Monday, that's another easy one. There are 349 days left in the year. So don't be a laggard. If you want something special to drink on New Year's Eve 2024, I'd say order it now. Jennifer is going to be making Kahlua in the sink in her garage. I, I'm telling you now, it's very good. Last week, the guest told me Kahlua was her favorite. Vicky is going to be taking the still in the back of the of the barn on her property that she inherited, and she's going to be making whiskey. Prohibition, the anniversary of Prohibition is today, I think. And Susan is going to be ordering some really, really high-end champagne from Champagne in France, the real deal. Uh, so all of you, I want you to get started. You only have 349 days left. Don't be late. It's Capricorn. Anybody here a Capricorn? Sort of, yes, maybe, no. Okay, well, Capricorns, it's an earth sign, negative sign, one of the four cardinal signs, ruled by the planet Saturn. They're overachievers. 
I think you all are anyway. They're persistent. Honorary. Yeah, I think so. I'll I'll join you there. I'm a Libra, though. Overachievers, they're persistent. We're practical, sensitive, hardworking. We make success look easy. And we put a lot of time and care into our careers and, Vicki, into our relationships. You've got a good group here. Let me tell you who my special guests are today. By the way, shout out to Gregorian, to his mother. We want to thank you for your son, Greg, Gregory, Grego, whatever you called him, because we're still using his calendar. And if that's not creative, I don't know what is. That's mm-hmm. really, really cool. So on the show, ladies, wave when I introduce you. I'm just going to read a little teeny tiny bio here, and then you'll tell us more about who you are. Jennifer Ann Gordon is here with us. She's an award-winning horror suspense novelist and a podcast host. She read Pet Cemetery when she was 10 years old and hid behind the, the house. I think it was scary. She's been an art gallery director, a mixed media artist, a comic book store owner, an indie comic author, and now she's a professional ballroom dance instructor and instructor and dancer. Uh And she says, every story is a love story, a ghost story, a crime story. It depends on the POV point of view. And she's here courtesy of Mickey Mickelson, her PR agent. Jennifer, welcome. We're so happy to meet you. And then we have a returning guest. We have Dr. Vicki Matthews, V-I-C-K-I. And Vicki did a little bit in the business world for a while. Then she became a naturopathic physician and a relationship coach. Vicki, that's a combination I've never heard before I met you. you got to tell us. She's the <laughs> author of The Five Elements of Relationships, How to Get Along with Anyone, Anytime, Anyplace. I can't wait. She's got her book behind her on the screen for those of you watching. For some reason, Facebook is frozen here. Let me just, not us, but just my screen with Facebook. There we go. We'll get it back, but long as we're not. Okay, and now there we are. We're talking now. And we have Susan Rennie. Anderson. Susan decided to color her hair pink for the show. She said I inspired her. I don't know whether I'm to blame or to compliment me, but I love your hair, Susan. She has over 30 years experience coaching leaders and business owners in financial services and real estate. What's interesting is she's the author of The Path to Servant Leadership. This is serious. A how-to guide helping leaders transition away from top-down power leadership business models. This is a business topic, obviously, but Susan is a creative in this field, and that's why she's here. Susan, welcome, welcome, welcome. So I'm calling this show, Read My Lips, Anytime Creativity. I like that because I think it's anytime is anytime in your life, anytime in your day, right, Jennifer? You can be creative anytime, anyway, right, Vicki? Right, Susan? Absolutely. And we're being creative right now. I have a little bit of notes in the script here, but we're just creating the show as we go along. So let's get started. Jennifer Ann Gordon, I'm putting you on, I love your name, by the way, I'm putting you on speaker view. Would you please regale us with your bio? Three minutes is all you get. I know it would take about an hour if we let you do the whole thing, but just three-minute synopsis. Jennifer, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm thrilled to be here with Susan and Dr. Vicki. Uh, again, my name is Jennifer Ann Gordon. I am a horror novelist. My most recent book, Pretty Ugly, just recently won the Kindle Award for Best Novel of the Year, The Reader's Choice. So, um, and my first novel, my debut novel, Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, won the best horror suspense for the Kindle Award back in 2020. Uh, So I'm so proud of those books. Um, As Red said, I am a professional ballroom dancer. Uh, I came to that late in life. I was in my early 30s when I started to become a professional dancer, but I've been dancing since I was three. 
Uh, I went to school for theater at the New Hampshire Institute of Art. I've done a little bit of everything except math, which I am terrible at. And um, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> I'm like trying to like burst everything out. <laughs> I want to know about a cop. Did you say you owned a comic book store? What did you I own? I did own a comic book store. What was uh, that in- about? I'm a comic book nerd at heart, and for a little while, I lived in the Midwest, and I bought into a comic book business. Uh, It's a business you have to go in if you love it. Don't go in thinking you're going to make a lot of money. When I did my taxes every year, it always came out that I weighed like nine cents an hour when I had to factor it all in. (laughs) Uh, But I love comics. Uh, My last name is Gordon. My father's name was Jim Gordon. And if you know anything about comics, Jim Gordon is the commissioner on Batman and Batgirl is his daughter. So I have always fancied myself a sort of Batgirl because she was also a librarian. I love that. Jennifer, I want you briefly to tell these other ladies and our audience, please, about your mixed media art, because I've seen some of what you did and it's absolutely beautiful. Tell us what that meant, please. So way back in like the you know 2000s early 2000s to 2015 i was uh primarily making my living as a mixed media artist where i combined vintage photos of victorian women usually uh early actress photos and again i went to school for theater so i had a very strong connection to these seemingly haunted and beautiful women and i would use those photos and intermingle them with acrylic paint, old letters, old ticket stubs from theaters, and just kind of create, I used to call them self-portraits, but they were not of me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. I've seen, I hope everybody will go, we'll give websites out at the end of the show, but I hope everybody will go and see your really, really beautiful work. So Josh said, finally, we get a nerd on the show. And I said, (laughs) yes. I said, yes, besides me. Well, I'm, I'm a tech nerd, so I'm a geek uh, by, by trade, by original, uh, um, I think my first of about 12 different careers. So there we go. Let's move on. Thank you, Jennifer. Dr. Vicki Matthews, welcome back. How the heck have you been? It was so nice to see you at the recent National Publicity Summit again. Vicki, bring us up to date. What have you been up to? Well, it's great to be back. I love being on your show. Thank you for having me. What have I been up to? Well, I have written and published a book. So as you said, I did a little bit in business, and then my passion was medicine and, and healing and health, As it, so I, I became a naturopathic physician. And one of the things that in my practice I found is to work with people that are seriously ill, you have to heal body, mind, spirit, soul, the whole thing. And emotionally is too. And when I started talking to people about emotions, the number one problem was their relationships. So I used my creativity and went back to a model I had seen when I was studying medicine, which is the five element model from Chinese medicine. And I found not only does that do cycles of seasons and things like that, which is what they used it for, I found our personalities in there. So I have been able to use that model to help people understand themselves, understand the people they're in relationships to, predict the tendencies between them, and help everybody get along better. I like that. Talk to me about the mind-body connection a little bit. I'm very familiar with that recently because I have a relative who has been suffering for seven months from what turned out to be undiagnosed, newly chronic pain that is completely wow. debilitating. Oh, that's so hard. And they just discovered mindfulness, 
com, joined the website Curable, mm-hmm. starting to do gratitude, starting to do mantras every day, changing, reclaiming their life, never understood that mind, body, soul, spirit connection. Yes. Vicki, just talk to that for a second. Okay, I'm so watching I'm, a miracle. Go ahead. So what I'm going to do is go back to that five-element model in Chinese medicine, acupuncture. Acupuncture works with energy and it fixes organs. It fixes, it fixes energy flows based on working with those energy pieces. And the energy that moves through our body, whether it's those meridians, whether you go back to chakras from Hindu practices, whatever, that impacts our physical. And if that isn't balanced, if that isn't happy from an emotional perspective, an energy, a mental perspective, the physical is going to fail. And so I think really our our emotions are key. Our emotions are key. And that's really what it comes down to. Thank you. And she did have a scheduled visit with an acupuncturist who apparently is very, very highly regarded. And he went and got COVID the week before the (laughs) appointment and had to postpone for a month. So she's still trying to get in to see him. And we'll see if if that helps as well. But I'm, I'm watching a small miracle happen on a daily basis where she said, I deserve to be happy. I deserve to sit in a chair and not feel pain. And I that deserve, changes yes. her energy. Just those statements change yes. your energy. And that is what heals the form. Absolutely. And it's starting to work. And I am. Bless her. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's I, I'm not going to cry, but I'm close. Thank you very much, Vicki. Welcome back. Susan Anderson, how are you, lady? And my engineer, Josh, put us all on gallery view, and he said, oh, my God, her hair matches her sweater. I don't know how you did that. But, Susan, that's an unusual shade of kind of pinky, purpley, uh, and the hair. I'm, I'm amazed. Susan, welcome. Talk to us. Thank you. Who Thank are you? you? Tell us all about yourself. And if, if, your, if well. your cats come in your screen, you have to introduce the cats. Go okay, ahead. Okay, I think they're sleeping right now. Um, well, as you said earlier, I've been coaching uh, in financial services and real estate for about 30 years. Um, I retired uh, and, and was completely retired for 12 years um, when I wrote my first book. It was an accidental book. Um, it's, uh, uh, my associate pastor asked if I would teach a class on Judaism and, um, I said, okay, what part? And she said, no, the whole thing. I said, so let me understand this. I have an eight week class to do 6,000 years. (laughs) So, um, I started looking for something that was, um, very introductory level and geared to a Christian audience on the scope of Judaism. And there wasn't one. So I thought, I never thought to write a book. I thought I would do a PowerPoint presentation and sat down to write an outline. And a year later I had a book. So, um, it was funny as, as things do intersect, um, I work with John Maxwell and Ken Blanchard, who are uh, proponents of servant leadership. And uh, we were looking back over the 30 years I've been coaching and realized that I've been working with servant leadership since 1980. And, um, and it started by, um, I was trying to grow a real estate company for the owners to sell um, and, and afford themselves a nice retirement. 
And we started with 26 agents in one office. And three years later, we had 65 agents in two offices. And, and the first step was getting these funny stickers like, you're awesome, great job, wow. Um, and I was sticking them on the commission stubs. And as I walked around the real estate office, I realized that they were taking these stubs and pinning them to their cubicles. And they were competing for stickers. They used to compete for listings. They used to compete for properties sold. But now they were competing for, for stickers. And the volume went up like crazy because they were having fun and they felt valued, which is the core proponents of servant leadership. So um, I decided, well, since I wrote an accidental book the first time, I would do the reverse and write the book this time. And it's a companion to my coaching program. I coach um, business owners and business leaders um, in about mid-range companies, bigger than a mom and pop, smaller than a board of directors, about 50 to 250 employees, $10 million and up in revenue. And the key is they're about five to 10 years old. Um, Anything under five years, they haven't realized yet that they've made a mistake. And anything over 10 years, it's too late to change it. (laughs) This is business business 101 reality check, right, Susan? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, and, and that's thousands and thousands of CEOs and business owners. Um, and, um, and, I, and I work with them taking their autocratic style of leadership um, where the, there's a pyramid and the CEO is at the top of the pyramid, management's in the middle, and frontline workers are at the bottom of the pyramid, and under them are the clients or the customers. So when you've got a, a top-down power leadership role, the customers are often neglected because the bottom of the pyramid are the frontline workers and they don't feel very valued. So we we flip the pyramid and the CEO is now supporting and empowering those who are working above him. And um, the frontline workers feel very valued, very excited, very empowered, and that reflects well to the customers. Thank you, Susan. That's very, very interesting. Oh, if only all of the big companies I work for had understood and embraced this, even a little teeny tiny bit. I once worked in real estate for a, a powerful firm as a marketing director, and I had a visit one day from the male owner, the co-owner, very, very imposing man. When he spoke, everybody shut up and listened. And he walked in and he said, if you do what my partner says, you're going to explode the company and destroy it. Do you really want to do what she asked you to do today? And 10 minutes later, she walked into my office and said, if you listen to him, you're going to destroy the entire company. Why would you do what he? And I said, I I think I used a payphone. I called my mother. I said, what the (laughs) blank did I do taking this job? And then the woman who was doing marketing before I got there said to me, I don't want you here. Nobody's taking away the work I'm doing on all the special events. Who in the heck do you think you are? And I just went out to the street. I got in my car and I cried. (laughs) So (laughs) the power was in a lot of the wrong places. But anyway, I think we've all had positions and jobs. Jennifer, I know you've been very independent for a long time, but uh, the the wars, the experiences of working for that kind of power structure, Susan, are horrible. <laughs> it is. It really is. 
absolutely horrible. I worked for a huge bank in New York, also as a marketing director. And my boss came to me one day and said, they don't like how you dress. I was running corporate events <laughs> at big places for very important people remotely. And they said, we don't like that you took the silk scarf that we're all wearing inside of our $5,000 suits and you put it around your hair and tied it in a bow. We don't think that's <laughs> acceptable. I was never outside the office. I was the first one there at 7.15 in the morning. And they said, oh, no, we're sending you for a dress success for course. You're going to have to talk to HR because we don't think you're dressed. I, I was just in the office. Nobody ever saw me except on, on the subway and the train to go in. Anyway, it was a riot. Wow. But and, and the boss who had to tell me, he was a guy who couldn't keep his, he didn't keep his jacket on. His shirt was always come untucked from his pants. And he was the one who was told that he had to talk to me because they didn't like that I had a couple sparkles on my jacket, on my suit jacket. We don't do that in banking. Anyway, the, the, the power structure, Susan, is just amazing. I hope to goodness that it's changed for people entering the workforce because it it was toxic back then, let me tell you. Oh, the stories yeah. I could write that I won't. Anyway, let's, oh, then there was the boss who, who was uh, having a thing with the president of the company, scheduling his haircuts and his, his, um, his, his um, uh, tune-ups for his Miata. And um, she, she took over the company. And if I left at 5.57 p.m., since I'd been there at 7 o'clock in the morning, had a two-hour commute, she left a red line note on my desk. How dare you leave before 5 o'clock? And she redlined everything that I had done that day in red ink on my desk. And she said to me, you're not getting a reviewer a raise for the next five years. I'm not going to let HR ever review you. She told me that the first week I was there. I thought that was really cool. Anyway, she ran it into the ground. It was shut down by the banking department. But anyway, what can I say? Yeah, easy come, easy go, right? A lot of mink coats and fancy dresses. Okay, ladies, thank you for your bios and thank you for letting me reminisce about my corporate career. Susan, look what you did to me. Okay, let's move on. I want to say I appreciate all three of you uh, because you're all obviously creating your own paths as we have to do. Nobody's doing it for us, right, Jennifer? Right, Vicky. Right, Susan. Absolutely. We're we're all figuring out as we go along, and and the bumps and the curves and the potholes and the pitfalls and the ladders to climb and the sunsets to enjoy and appreciate. So, let's go on. Everybody has sent. You're all so good to me. You've all sent me a quote from a fictional character in a movie or a TV show or a song lyric that makes you think about how creativity impacts your life. And I'm going to read yours first. Jennifer Ann Gordon. And I can't even I, remember what I said. Oh, I'm going to tell you, honey. The quote is, I'll tell you, it's by Canadian singer-songwriter Gordon Lightfoot. The song is, If You Could Read My Mind. He wrote this about his divorce. And his daughter said, would you please change one of the lyrics from, I'm just trying to understand the feelings that you lacked to the feelings we lack. And he said, when you're writing a song inspired by a personal story, you don't have the emotional distance to back up and say, how can I make this better? What's interesting is Gordon Lightfoot filed a lawsuit against Michael Masser, who composed Whitney Houston's The Greatest Love of All. He said that Masser had plagiarized, did you notice, Jennifer, 24 bars from Gordon Lightfoot's song. And uh, he said, the line that begins, I decided long ago never to walk in anyone's shadow. Remember when Whitney Houston sang that? Of the mess, had the same melodies. I never thought I could act this way and got to say, I just don't get it. I don't know where we went wrong, but the feeling's gone and I just can't get it back. Well, Whitney Houston was so impacted by the lawsuit that wasn't about her at all that they dropped the suit, settled out of court, and her writer issued a public apology. So here are the lines that Jennifer has selected. And you're going to tell us. If I could read your mind, love, 
what a tale your thoughts could tell, just like a paperback novel, the kind the drugstore sells. When you reach the part where the heartaches come, the hero would be me. I'm going to cry now. But heroes often fail, and you won't read that book again because the ending's just too hard to take. Jennifer, how could you do this to me? Oh, my God. Jennifer, talk to us. What does this have to do with your version of creativity? Please, three minutes. Okay. Um, people know of me as in the writing community as a horror author. And when they hear horror author, they think monsters. They think goblins. They think slashers. But I tend to write a lot of grief, horror, um, trauma-based psychological fiction. Uh, I come from a family that has struggled with mental health issues and addiction for generations back. And, and I think of that trauma, those memories of my grandmother, of my mother, of my father as ghosts. And that's what I got out of Gordon Lightfoot's song. Like he was writing, in his case, it was a ghost story about a failed relationship. But a ghost story can be any love story, any former love story. It can even be, a ghost story can just be about you missing the ghost of yourself, who you were when you were a kid, who you were before you got jaded working in corporate America, Susan. <laughs> you know, like... Um, you know, so, so yeah, it, this song has always broken my heart in every best way humanly possible. And honestly, Johnny Cash's version, his cover of it, I can't even get through it without just ugly crying. Aww. I just think it's the most beautiful lament on loss and that like bittersweet emotion. That's like, that's my sweet spot. Add a ghost. And then that's my horror novel. <laughs> Thank Looking you. Long and a ghost. Jennifer, I'm going to ask you to send me an ebook of one of your books. It's not, not at the high end of horror, a little sure, bit, yeah. a little I bit know. toned down. Okay. I, I yeah, I, I won't sleep if it's way too much. Thank you very much. Love the song, by the way, really love the song. And I hope I enlightened the audience about the lawsuit. That was very interesting. He did have a sweet spot for Whitney Houston. She's upset. Let's stop the lawsuit. But he made his point anyway. And today there's so many songs that are, be right? There's so many songs that are being uh, accused, so many singers and composers accused of stealing lines. How do you steal a melody? Ha, 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 ha. Oh, my God, I used that. I used that when I was in third grade. I used that scale. And, and how could you use it in your song? It's like, all right, already. It's just so many. Many notes on the keyboard. Let's go, Vicki Matthews. I'm not calling you Dr. Vicki. Is that okay if I just totally call you Vicki? Fine. Vicki is I, fine. I know you. I know yeah, you. Yeah, we we go way back. We do, at least two years. We go. Yeah. You picked a song, um, a wonderful line from I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor from 1978. I know, Jennifer. Second single from a sixth album, Love Tracks, written by Frankie Perrin and Dino Fakaris. It's a popular disco anthem certified platinum. It describes, oh, here's another personal story. The narrator's discovery of personal strength following a devastating breakup. It spent three non-consecutive weeks at number one in Billboard Hot 100 and UK singles chart and the Irish singles chart. Who knew Ireland had a singles chart? I didn't know that. It's a symbol of female empowerment. And in 2016, you won't believe this, Vicki, the Library of Congress selected Gloria Gaynor's original recording of the song for preservation in the National recording registry 
I yeah. didn't even know that. And what's interesting is the inspiration didn't come from Gloria Gaynor. It came from Dino Fakaris, the principal writer. Motown fired him after seven years as a staff writer. Talk about corporate, not upside, yeah, the wrong pyramid, um, Susan. Jobless, he was in a hotel room or in a bedroom somewhere, turned on a TV, and a theme song he had written for a film performed by Rare 8, the film was Generation, it was playing and he jumped up and down and said, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it, I'm going to be a songwriter, I will survive. <gasps> and then he teamed up with Freddie Perrin, a former member also of the Motown production team. They didn't record it for two years because they couldn't find the right singer. Enter Gloria Gaynor. And what's interesting was, everybody thought the song was going to be a massive hit. And the production company, the record company said, we're make it the B-side of a single. The other side was substitute. Gloria Gaynor's husband took it to Studio 4 to a DJ there and said, here's a stack of records. My wife recorded this song. We think it's going to be a hot A-side song. And this DJ passed them around. Other DJs that started getting airtime, they went back to the label and they said, okay, we'll make it an A-side. And they recorded a video of somebody skate dancing at the discotheque called Xenon in New York City. That's it. Here's the line. Vicki, you know I get to it eventually. As long as I know how to love, I know I'll stay alive. Vicki, a song of triumph. Tell me, yes. how'd, you pick, how'd you pick this one, dear? Okay, I picked this one for, for several reasons. One is I think love is the core of everything. And knowing how to love. I mean, we we know how to love. And, and that to me was the like the fold over the envelope of that phrase. We don't have to know how to love because we are wired to love. So it, it virtually guarantees survival. I also love that song because here read is a little known fact about me. I used to teach disco dancing. And what? I have I, I have too. danced. I did too. I did too. I did too. Go ahead. I have danced to that song a hundred times. So I love that song. I love the memories it brings back, the time in the in the dance halls and the studios and teaching. And I love that line. So that's why I picked it. I, I didn't know. Je- Jennifer, are you a disco dancer? What, what's your ballroom? What do you do? Um, well, I, I have taught the hustle and have competed in the hustle, which is essentially <laughs> disco dancing. I am more a waltz, tango, foxtrot girl. Oh, tango. Very, very serious. I mean, it's really, it's mainly tango because I have really good resting B-word face. Okay. Which is, which is also tango <laughs> face. Yes. Well, I want you to know I danced in at a nightclub in Eugene, Oregon with a professional partner named Michael. And we made matching silk hammered silk blue shirts. And I had a 360 open black satin skirt that opened on the side with a bow at the waist. I was about 98 pounds at the time, no longer. And we performed, we came in third in a disco Hawaii contest. We didn't win, but we performed to Donna Summer's MacArthur Park Suite, the section called Heaven Knows, which yes. was a duet. Yes. And we came in from opposite sides of the dance floor. Da, 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 came in from opposite sides of the dance floor. He lifted me in a Travolta Saturday Night Fever type overhead, spun me three times, dropped me to the floor. My skirt, well, my keyboard just came on. My skirt, of course, out in every direction which it was supposed to and we didn't realize we were competing with a woman who owned a dance studio uh-huh. yeah how do you do that right professional well fair is fair anyway we came in third and it was a blast so i know and i taught disco with this man and we taught uh, cha-cha we taught 
Lindy, not East Coast, West Coast, not West Coast, East Coast Swing. And, oh, Susan, do you dance? Come on. You got to join the party here, Susan. Everybody got to make Susan, do you dance? Everybody, one, two, three. Susan, do you you dance? dance? No. (laughs) You should have lied, Susan. You should have lied. Okay, the show is up. Susan, did you ever dance? Did you ever get dragged on the dance floor a little bit, maybe? I did. My husband and I used to dance a lot. There you go. See, we knew it. We could just tell from yeah. the pink hair. She had to be a dancer. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, Vicki. I appreciated that and the little known fact about you. See what it, you come back on the show. We learned so much more about you. Let's go to, this is an interesting quote from Susan Anderson. This is from Captain, who is the prison ward played by Struther Ma- Ma- Martin. The movie is Cool Hand Luke, 1967 American prison drama film. Jennifer is having a moment here. I say, <gasps> Jennifer is having a moment. Jennifer, just, I'll get back to you in a second here. This is line, Susan, is number 11 on the American Film Institute's 100 Years, 100 Greatest Movie Quotes list. Did you know? I bet you knew that. No. Paul, Paul Newman stars as Luke George Kennedy, Oscar-winning performance, a Florida prison camp. He refused to submit to the system, set in the early 1950s, blah, blah, blah. Roger Ebert cited this as an anti-establishment film shot during the popular optus to the Vietnam War. We're not surprised about that. This cemented Paul Newman's career status as a top star and a touchstone of an era. He was nominated for an Academy Award, and George Kennedy got the Best Supporting Actor. Lalo Schifrin was nominated for the Best Score. And, of course, the United States Library of Congress set this movie up for preservation in the film registry. It has a 100% rating on the website, Rotten Tomatoes, 100% positive. That's, That's unusual. Here's the line. I had to correct one word in your in what you sent me, but it's called, what we've got here is failure to communicate. Susan, what does this have to do with your creativity? Talk to me. <laughs> well, it has everything to do with servant leadership because if you're going to be a servant leader, communication is number one. And I've seen communication go haywire and with it, relationships, companies. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, communication is key in any kind of business, isn't it? How, how people say, this is what I expect from this, what I need from these are the goals of the company. This is the mission statement. We're going to get together and do this and that. How are you going to all contribute to that go- that bottom line goal, basically? Yes. And communication usually sucks. So we'll... <laughs> Believe me, we all know that. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much, ladies. I appreciate the work you did on the quotes, and I love the songs and the movie quote. Thank you. I'm going to read very briefly one of the statements from each of you. It's not a pop quiz. I'll read what you sent me. You sent me four statements on creativity. I'm going to ask you because we're moving along, taking a lot of time here, and I love it. I love the conversation. Just two minutes to tell me what more about what this means to you. So, I'm going to ask Jennifer to comment on this one. This was your statement number one. You say, when I made my living as a mixed media collage artist, I would often tell people that each piece of art was a self-portrait, but the photos were not of me. And you mentioned they were of early movie stars. Jennifer, what do you mean by that? I found that fascinating. Go ahead. Uh, So I did a lot of research on these uh, very early vaudevillian stars, Zigfield Folly stars, uh, even some very early silent film stars. And a lot of them much like I said earlier, came from backgrounds where their families were poor, they didn't have money, they were doing whatever they could to survive. And 
there have been so many times in my life, and especially when I was surviving, quote unquote, as an artist, I was not in a great relationship at that time. I was in an abusive relationship. So every, I didn't want to take a picture of myself, but I did want Mm -hmm. to show what I was feeling to the world without being able to say it because again, abusive relationship, you don't want to just say, this is what's happening to me. Uh, So I I masked it in visual metaphor and then later on in verbal metaphor and movement metaphor through dance, which is probably why I like tango so much. (laughs) Yes. Very beautiful dance. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's a, one of the most expressive dances, isn't it, Jennifer? The emotion, the the relationship, the timing. The there's a my husband I, and I fell in love during the tango. My current I, husband. I can imagine it's it's a beautiful dance and it's an artful dance. There may be a science to doing it, but it's an artful dance. One of the most. Yes, we all know the hustle. Okay, it's great. It's fast. A lot of twists and turns. So like, ah, you know, we yeah, we all saw the movie, but. There's something about the tango. I think the tango is looking into the soul of the dancers and the relationship. Can I say that, Jennifer? Does that make you sense? Can say, yeah, it does make sense. Yeah, never thought about it that way. See, you inspired me. Okay, I love let's. That. <laughs> okay, Vicky, I'm looking at your statement number one. Let me read this. Two minutes. You say creativity is believing we can make the impossible possible and then doing it. Vicky, talk to me. Okay, so I love that statement because I believe it. I believe I, I have worked with so many people that will say, I'm not creative. So, you know, blow that off. And I think that's wrong. I think we all are creative. We are creative in different ways. And I also think, barring what Einstein said, almost anything is positive. It's all, almost anything is possible. Almost anything is important. So to say you can't do something or something's impossible, I disagree with. So I, that's what I, the, the, those are the two components of that mm-hmm. statement that, that I just really resonate to and embrace and try and live by. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point, Susan Anderson. I'm looking at creativity statement number three. I like this one. It's a little teeny tiny short statement. I think you have a lot to say. Two minutes. Creativity comes in waves. Interesting. Go ahead. Tell mm-hmm. us about that. Ah, everybody liked that one. Go ahead, Susan. Well, for many years, I was a sewer and uh, did everything from apparel to home decor. Um, I focused a lot of my energy on um, walkers and uh, wheelchair bags and, um, and, and did an awful lot of it for a lot of years. And when I say it comes in waves, um, I was doing blouses and I got tired of blouses and wasn't sewing for a little bit. And then my mom went into assisted living and, and she needed a walker bag. And so then I did a, so for me, creativity has always come in waves. My first book, you know, it was just, I, I poured my heart and soul into the writing of that book for a year. And and then when I switched over to the business sector, um, so yeah, there's like, writing for a year and then there's a gap and then writing for another year. And yeah, comes in waves for me. I think so. I think uh, Jennifer, do you find that? And, and Vicki, Jennifer first, what do you find? Uh, I definitely do. I, I, cause I also feel like if we're constantly tapping at that creativity, well, mm-hmm. it, it, it's going to run dry. You have to replenish yourself. You have to be inspired in order to be inspiring. So when I know when I don't, feel the writing, I read. 
when I don't feel the dancing, I watch dancing. I just like let, I have to remind myself of why I love it, why I do it. And that's, it always comes that's back. Lovely. I like that. Vicki, how about you? I think it comes in chunks. <laughs> okay. <Because laughs> for me anyway, I, there'll be the, the dreaming, the thinking, the falling asleep, thinking about what to put in a book or how, how to, you know, how to paint, what color to paint a room or something creative. And then there's the chunk of actually doing it. And then there's the chunk of, okay, what does that look like? Or how did that feel? Is there, do we want to make any changes? And then there may be the chunk of change. And then there's the chunk of the new inspiration. So for me, it's a, it's the time spent in the inspiration and the ideas and the, the dreaming, and then the time spent in the manifesting phase. So I think of them as chunks. Thank you. That's interesting. I started writing my comedy, mystery, sarcastic novel about a year and a half ago. I had so much fun writing it. I wrote it so voraciously, and then I just stopped. Life got in the way, and that's my excuse, and you all know that's a bad excuse, okay? I go back to it, and I realize 24,000 words is a novella. It's not a novel. It's not a big book, but I had so much fun writing it. It just used up what I wanted to say, and I'm having trouble finishing it. I'll self-publish it eventually, but I've been committing to myself over and over. I'm going to finish it. But it's so interesting and so much fun that I read parts of it. And I say, dude, that's really cool. And I go off and do something else. So I'm not sure what's going to get me. But I will give you a clue that if I use my real name, people will come after me. It's very, very scathingly sarcastic about a certain element of certain types of communities. Not, not a race or a creed or a religion right. or a color, nothing like that. But about things that some of us live with, homeowner associations, yeah. never mind. And no, uh, I didn't hear that. Yes. So I've, I've, I've picked a couple of names. I'm either going to be Crimson Scarlet with a T-E on the end of Scarlet or Scarlet Crimson, that's another pseudonym, or uh, Red Bell, B-E-L-L-E, that sounds like Red Bull, I can't do that, or Crimson, <laughs> Crimson Rousset or Charlotte Rousset, I used that once, and my favorite one is Scarlet Merlot. That. I like that. that. I told I like that to that. A, a colleague so who may, may, may become a client of mine, a radio client, and he, he owns a winery, and he said, that's the one. Scarlett that's it. Merlot. That's good. So, yeah, but don't tell anybody. That's just a secret among the four of us. No, four no, of us and don't you tell know, all of the internet. I know, I know. Well, I didn't say anything. <laughs> it's Facebook. just a secret. It's just so Facebook. Let's, let's do some birthdays, some famous birthdays. Lin-Manuel Miranda is 43 today. Can you believe that? Singer, composer, rapper, created the Broadway musicals In the Heights and Hamilton. He starred, I didn't know he was Jack in Mary Poppins Returns in 2018. Yes, yes. yes. That? And he starred in His Dark Materials on HBO in 2019. Tony Awards, 2016 Grammy Award for Best Musical Theater Album for Hamilton. Happy birthday, Lynn Moel, Manuel Miranda. Quite a guy. Kate Moss, 49 today, the model. She popularized, I don't even know what this is. Maybe somebody knows the heroin chic fashion trend of the 90s. Jennifer, I wasn't going to call on you, but you nodded. Jennifer, what does that mean, the heroin um, chic? That was when... It was very popular with the Calvin Klein ads when he would have like really painfully thin male and female models wearing like had dirty feeling. jeans and like tank tops that looked stained, but somehow they were still gorgeous and sexy and they would just be oh. like, I smell thin and rich, you know, or whatever it was, but they had bags under their eyes and stringy hair, Aww. but they were somehow still beautiful and it made everybody 
like everybody in my high school, like stop eating for like two years because we could never look like that. It sounds like the, what the Olsen twins ended up as for a while. Yes. Am I right? I hope I'm yeah, not but saying they were anything. Also like boho and yeah. quote unquote bag lady chic. Yes. Okay. Well, I don't want to get my sheiks mis- mixed up. Never dated a sheik either. Leave that one alone. Sade, does anybody remember? He's a cool operator. Anybody remember? Nigerian-born English singer, Love is Stronger Than Pride was one of her songs. And she ranked number 30 on VH- VH1's 100 Greatest Women in Music list. I didn't know that. She was discovered because of Smooth Operator, which helped her get a deal with Epic Records. Happy birthday, Sade. 64. Do you remember the Smooth Operator song? Smooth up. Should we sing it together? Should we sing it? Smooth Operator. He's a smooth operator. (laughs) Well, I try not to, but it usually spoils the show. But Josh lets me stay on the air. I have somebody for you. Debbie Allen is 73 today. Dancer, choreographer, 1982 series fame she played lydia grant she was the principal choreographer jennifer you can appreciate that and so can you vicky and susan as well uh she played Catherine avery on gray's anatomy i didn't know that she was in the broadway debut of pearly in the chorus the movie pearly p-u-r-l-i-e she was a director on family ties who knew that she was a guest judge and so you think you can dance and she was a choreographer for the academy awards and you know whose younger sister she is right no Jennifer doesn't know. Susan doesn't know. Vicky, do you know? I feel like I knew at one point in time. Um, she's like Dion Warwick or something. No, no, it's no, not. no. It's some, no. I know she's. Felicia, Felicia Rashad. Rashad, yes, Felicia yes. Rashad is her older sister. Yeah. Okay. We don't mention who she was associated with. Okay. So let's go to some famous people in social media having a birthday today. I have five of them, and I'll just do briefly, but we have plenty of time. However, the only reason I pick these people is because they have interesting names and because most of them are very young and because of the number of followers, if only we all had that many. So on YouTube, somebody named Myth, M-Y-T-H-P-A-T, Myth Pat, is 25 today. He publishes gaming and pop culture content on YouTube. I am so sorry to say he's a failure in life. He only has 12 million plus (laughs) subscribers. 12 million. And he won the International Award at the 2021 Streamy Awards. Who knew there was a st- Jennifer? Did you know there were Streamy Awards? No. No. Okay. I, 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 I should I, know that. I didn't mean to pick on you, but I, I, I figured in your genre you might. Then we have on Twitch. We have a 19-year-old today named Tyler Appleby, but his name is Scoped. S C O P E D. I hate to think 19. He has. Oh, for God's sake! He's just getting started. He only has 1.3 million followers. He streams Fortnite gameplay, and he also has a YouTube channel called Scope S C O P E D. When you get to a certain age, Scope means you got to go to the doctor for something. And I don't want to. <laughs> right, Vicky? Right, Vicky? Miss Naturopath? Yes, we know. Then we have a, a woman. You knew I was going to go there. We have a woman named Alexa Kenneth Oga O G A H. She is 15, I believe. I have 156 here. I left a six in. 15 years old. She only has a mere 2.8 million likes. Susan, you can close your mouth right now. 2.8, 15 years old. I know. She does lip sync and dance content. She has a colorful fashion sense. Susan, with that hair, you could do the same thing. (laughs) She wears a pink cowboy hat. Susan, we're going to borrow her hat for you. And she focuses on positivity. In May of last year... TikTok had a video of her dancing and holding a squishmallow stuffed animal. It got 300 
thousand views. Does anybody know what a Squishmallow? I had to look it up. I did. I admit it's a soft plush toy sold on Amazon. They've only sold five million of them. Squishmallow, oh, like oh, marshmallow, I was it would be like a like a marshmallow. Me too. Like so it was look, going to be food. I know. Well, she was dancing and holding a squishmallow, and she got three hundred thousand views. When was the last time any of you got three hundred thousand views for anything? Last week, last month, it's Jennifer. Like early, earlier today, yeah. Uh, oh, earlier yeah, today, yeah. yeah. Me, me, it was yesterday <laughs> no, for no. me. It was yesterday. It was a long ago. <laughs> then we have oh, we have a YouTube star named Ruby Rube R U B Y R U B E. She's seventeen. British comedy vlogger with only 3.3 million subscribers, and she posts videos under the title of At 3 a.m. I don't even know what time zone, but she's British, so go there. And then we have a young lady named Giada Ryan, R-Y-A-N-N. They're having a sale on Inside Day, 15 years old. She's a YouTube and Instagram influencer in something called The Rock Squad on YouTube, and she's with a modeling agency. She's 15. On Instagram, her videos are getting 110,000 views, okay? In June of last year, she had a video where she had she was challenged in a team challenge to sing a song or get sunk into a pool. And that video had 5.8 million views. Wow. I know. We had a one birthday from somebody on social I did a couple months ago. It was a slime video producer, and he had something like 20 million I, I said to my guests, we're all in the wrong line of work. I was just going to say, we're in the wrong line, wrong of, work. line totally. of work. Our amazing hair is not enough. We're taking yeah. life way we, too seriously. I know. I know. I, I, what can I say? Let me give you a couple of dates in history here. Clarinetist Benny Goodman, who many did call an impro- improvisational genius in 1930 on this day, broke through cultural barriers and played the first ever jazz concert at Carnegie Hall. Who knew? The Cavern Club opened in Liverpool, England, home of many performances by the Beatles today in 1957. In 63, an L.A. nightclub called Whiskey on Go-Go opened, and it was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2006. In 1964, Hello, Dolly! opened on Broadway with Carol Channing. And, get this, a recording of the song by Louis Armstrong went to number one in May that year and knocked the Beatles out of the top spot in the charts. Hello, hello, Dolly. He knocked the Beatles out. Who knew? I'm the only one who could find this for you. I'm sorry. 1981, the TV series Harper Valley PTA, inspired by Jeannie C. Riley and the movie Barbara Eden. I dream of Jeannie. She played Stella Johnson in the show. It only lasted two seasons. In 1988, on this day, Tina Turner performed at Estadio de Maracana in Rio to a sellout crowd of 180,000 people setting a new record for attendance at a performance by a solo artist. This day, also in 1988, the same day, George Harrison hit number one with Got My Mind Set on You. He was the act with the longest period between number one hits, 24 years since Give Me Love, Give Me Peace on Earth, 24 years. The Beach Boys broke the record with Kokomo that year. Uh, The Birds, Laverne Baker, John Lee Hooker, The Impressions, Wilson Pickett, Jimmy Reed, Ike and Tina Turner were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the sixth class on this day in 1991. Eric Clapton in 92 (coughs) recorded Eric Clapton unplugged for MTV. He won six Grammy Awards, including Record of the Year. Duh, congratulations, Eric. And this one, this is funny but weird. In 1996, the Jamaican police mistook Jimmy Buffett for a drug smuggler and shot at his seaplane, which was called the Hemisphere Dancer after it landed in the water in Hamika. Bono of U2 and his family were on the plane, a 
along with the head of Island Records, Chris Blackwell. I don't know how that one worked out. And also on this day, it was the inaugural ball in 1999 for Minnesota Governor Jesse Ventura, the wrestler. At the Target Center in Minneapolis, the band America played Ventura Highway, and Warren Zevon did Werewolves of London, wearing his bandana and a feather boa, howling. Let me give you, we have time, uh, three and a half minutes left. We have time for a couple of holidays. Today is Appreciated Dragon Day. Okay, I thought I would shock all of you. Dragon was a word entering the English language if we had it in the 13th century in the Old French and the Latin meaning a serpent of huge size. I'll just leave that one alone. Appreciated Dragon Day was created... Sorry. Sorry, you got it, Jennifer. Uh, Appreciated Dragon Day was created in 2004 by Donita K. Paul, promoting her novel Dragon Spell, part one of a five-book series about a former slave who changes her fate and is the savior of dragons. Today is International Hot and Spicy Food Day. Spices were thought to have flavor and health benefits, and they were introduced by the ancient Greeks 6,000 years ago. Pepper, cassia, cinnamon, ginger, and coriander, mint, marjoram, cinnamon, and saffron in Hippocrates' era. And blah, blah, blah. I won't read it. Today is National Fig Newton Day. Yes. <laughs> Fig Newtons. I call them Fig Lutons. Started in the 19th century when doctors, you'll love this, Vicky. Doctors started to promote an increase in biscuits and fruit as a remedy for digestive problems. And fig rolls became popular. In 1891, somebody named Charles Roser, R-O-S-E-R, invented a machine that pushed the fig paste into the dough. It became a Nabisco product, and they changed the name to Fig Newton. Where are the Newton froms? I, I come, I don't know. Today is National Nothing Day. Journalist Harold Pullman Coffin proposed it as a non-event. He doesn't even have a website. And it made Chase's calendar of events. The Natural National Nothing Foundation supports it. And today is no name-calling week, so all behave yourselves. Quickly, let's go around the table. And don't go away, ladies. We'll talk after. Let's go around. We need websites from all of you. Jennifer and Gordon, where can people find you? Go ahead. Uh, it's very easy. You can find me at www.jenniferangordon.com. And that's Anne with an E, like Anne Green Gables or Anne Rice. J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-A-N-N-E-G-O-R-D-O-N.com. Yep. Vicki Mathis, where, Matthews? Okay, drvickymatthews.com, D-R-V-I-C-K-I-M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S.com. And if they go to Get Along Now, I have a free booklet about getting along with people. Lovely. Thank you very much. Susan Anderson, you just put it in the chat, but tell us, what is it? It's Susan Rennie, R-E-N-N-I, Anderson.com. S-U-S-A-N-R-E-N-N-I-A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N. Go ahead, what? My email address is susan at susanrennieanderson.com. And if they shoot me an email, I'll send them a book on what is servant leadership. Thank you very much. Ladies, it's been such a joy. I've got to get us out of here in about 30 seconds. Oh, I have one minute. Thank you, Josh. So let's, before we say goodbye to Facebook and to Voice America Empowerment Channel, here's my closing. Jennifer, you're going to love this. You've never heard of Susan, too. Vicky knows it. Life is short. Break the rules. Don't we all? Forgive quickly. Kiss slowly. It's the best. Love truly. Laugh uncontrollably. Everybody laugh with me real fast. (laughs) I keep promising to open the show like that, but nobody would listen. And never regret anything that made you smile. And here's the final closing. Work like you don't need the money because nobody else really cares. I hate to break it to you. Right, Susan? Dance like nobody's watching. But when we dance, Vicky and Jennifer everybody watches. I was teaching disco on top of a three-inch heels, on top of a formica table, cl- table top in a high school cafeteria. 
OMG, and everybody watched. 200 students. What can I tell you? Sing like nobody's listening. I sang you didn't, Jennifer. Thanks for controlling yourself. And love like you've never been hurt because, come on, we all have. Get over it. Let your heart regenerate and be happy again. Money talks. Chocolate sings. And last but not least, I stole this line from somebody. Thank you for turning me on. (gasps) Okay, everybody, don't breathe for a second. Josh. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host aka Radio Red again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool creative week. <laughs>